So Father in heaven, in this third afternoon session now, would you give us a grace here without a brief break? Come back to your word and to the life of your son and to see him in his glory, his divine glory, his human glory as one of us. Help us to learn from him. Not coming first and foremost to imitate Jesus, first and foremost to receive him as your gift, to receive him as sinners, to receive him as one who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And then we want to learn from his life too. And so would you help us now in looking at the life of Jesus again and how he handled scripture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever considered how Jesus came to know scripture? Anyone who reads the gospels can see that Jesus clearly knew the Hebrew Bible well. He quotes scripture over and over again, and he does so with freshness and with authority, like someone who hasn't only memorized God's words, but someone who knows God's heart. Jesus has profound insight into what the words of God means. He's not just able to recite the words. He's able to put scripture to use in everyday life. He doesn't just recite the sentences put to memory, but he applies scripture in various situations as they come along unplanned. You might think, well, of course Jesus knew scripture. Jesus is God. He didn't need to learn it or work at it like we do, he just knew it. But that suspicion betrays a significant misunderstanding in what it means for Jesus to be fully God and fully man in one person. So we have a little Christology lesson here to do first in this session. Jesus, as we encounter him in the gospels, in human flesh and blood, walking this earth with human feet, speaking with a human tongue and human mouth, this Jesus quotes and makes use of what scriptures he has come to know with his human mind. The human Christ didn't know scripture simply because he was God. As genuinely human, he had to learn it. What he knew and what he quoted is what he had come to learn. And so Luke chapter two tells us that the Christ child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And then a few verses later, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. So born to us as human, Jesus not only grew in his body, but in his human mind. Jesus is the universe's unique two-natured person. He's fully God and fully man in one person, which means he not only has a human body, but also, 
as the Chalcedonian Creed says, a reasoning soul, which includes human emotions and a human will and a human mind. So that's our little Christology lesson. Now, in these last few minutes together, let's look at how Jesus knew the Word. How did Jesus know Scripture so well? And in the earlier session this afternoon, we looked at Jesus' habits of retreating and reentering, of withdrawing from society to commune with His Father, and then returning to bless and teach and show compassion. And the major piece that we left out there, and we were kind of tempted to get into it in the Q&A, was Jesus' relationship with Scripture. It is a remarkable thing to track in the Gospels, how Jesus relates to and quotes Scripture. You might think, well, again, He's just God, so He just speaks, and whatever He says is God's Word, which is true. So He doesn't really need to quote previous Scripture. And then you observe how often, how strikingly often Jesus says over and over again, it is written, it is written, it is written. Scripture is central and pervasive in His ministry and in His teaching. So I'd like to do two things here in these last few minutes. First, let's briefly get a taste of this inaction in the life of Jesus. In the days of His flesh, as Hebrews talks about, while He's among us. And then, let's address how Jesus knew the Word so well, very practically. How did Scripture come to have such a place in His life and in His ministry? And I hope that here, in looking at the life of Jesus, you might catch a fresh vision and find encouragement for how Scripture could come to have such a place in your own life and ministry. So first then, the taste. Throughout the Gospels, we see in Jesus the evidence of a man who is utterly captivated by what is written in Scripture. So at the outset of his public ministry, he goes, led by the Spirit, retreating into the wilderness, and there, in the culminating temptations, after 40 days, before the devil himself, he leans not just once, but three times on what is written. It is written. Satan tries to come back in the second temptation with what's written, and he responds to that with what's written. And then a third and final time with what's written in Scripture. And then he returns from the wilderness to inaugurate his public ministry in his hometown of Nazareth. And he stands up to read and takes the scroll of Isaiah and reads from chapter 61 and announces, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's how he starts his ministry. He identifies John the Baptist as he of whom it is written. And he rebukes the proud by quoting scripture. And when he clears the temple of money changers, he does so on the grounds of what is written in Isaiah 56, 7. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. At every step on the way to Calvary, Jesus knows, he says, 
that it will happen to him as it is written. Mark 14, 21, he says, the son of man goes as it is written of him. Luke 18, 31, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man in the prophets will be accomplished. So Jesus' life and his ministry and his words turn on what is written in scripture. So then, how does Jesus know the word so well? If Jesus isn't simply drawing on the divine mind to quote texts and put to use concepts that his human mind has never learned or considered, then how is it that Jesus knows scripture so well? The inspiration for this talk came from reading a chapter by Sinclair Ferguson called The Spirit of Christ in his book called The Holy Spirit. And he addresses our question there. Listen carefully to what the great Scottish theologian Sinclair Ferguson has to say. Jesus' intimate acquaintance with Scripture did not come magically from heaven during the period of his public ministry. It was grounded, no doubt, on his early education, but it was nourished by long years of personal meditation. Later in his public ministry, it becomes evident that he was intimately familiar with the contents of Scripture and also possessed in his human nature a knowledge of God by the Spirit, which lent freshness and authority and a sense of reality to his teaching. That's what I want for you, that your intimate knowledge of Scripture, wherever God leads you, to cross a culture, to minister in the States, to be in some other vocation, wherever he would lead you 10 years from now, 20 years from now, that when you would speak, when you would talk, when you would share the gospel, when you would teach, that there would be freshness and authority and a sense of reality to what you have to say. Now, when Ferguson speaks here about Jesus's public ministry, he implies there's this important relationship between public life and private life for Jesus and for us. What Jesus says publicly in his three years of ministry reveals what he has learned and come to know in his three decades in private and what he continues to feed and nurture his soul with in secret communion with his father. So there's two parts here to Jesus's private life, apart from public ministry. First, Ferguson mentions his early education. This has a place to play. Before he could even speak, his mother and Joseph and others in Bethlehem and perhaps even in Egypt and in Nazareth, would speak to him. He heard the words. And surely Mary quoted scripture and probably sang scripture to him as he grew. 
And this foundation, this grounding of his early education was important. Yet, Ferguson rightly puts emphasis on the second and longer phase of Jesus' private life, which is so relevant to us. No matter what kind of early education you had, the emphasis is on something relevant right now for you and in the decades ahead. Ferguson says that Jesus' intimate acquaintance with Scripture was nourished by long years of personal meditation. That's the secret to how Jesus knew Scripture so well. Long years of personal meditation, which is what I want to challenge you to in this short session. What is meditation? It's an important question to ask because we don't do this very well today. This is countercultural. You want to live counterculturally? Learn to meditate like Jesus. It is a lost art today. Now, I'm not talking about Eastern meditation, where you empty the mind and repeat a mantra. We're talking about biblical meditation, where you fill your mind with the Word of God and God's truth, and slow down and seek to more fully understand the meaning of God's words and feel the significance in your soul. Biblical meditation pauses and ponders God's words without hurry. It chews like a cow chewing the cud. Never seen a cow who seemed to be in a hurry. Chews on the truth communicated by the words of God. It doesn't just keep reading at breakneck pace like our pixelated screens are teaching us to read. It's actually called skimming. Meditation pauses and slows down and seeks to deeply ponder the truth of God's Word and sense its weight upon the heart. That's the kind of meditation that nourished Jesus' intimate knowledge of Scripture. In other words, Jesus, like us, learned Scripture. He worked at it, put effort into it. He knew Scripture so well and quoted it so frequently and spoke with such freshness and such authority and such sense of reality because of his long years of meditation. His public ministry and teaching with his seemingly effortless familiarity with God's Word revealed years of private enjoyment of God's Word. He knew Scripture so well, not just because he was God, but because he dedicated his human mind and heart to daily personal meditation on the Word of God. And this, 2,000 years ago, when they didn't all have their personal copies of the Bible, like we do today. He had to remember and rehearse what he had been read and sung and taught. So let me close with three exhortations. One, become
become the kind of person now, in God's Word, in private, that you hope to be someday in public ministry. Over time, who you have become in secret over your Bible will be revealed in your public ministry. Two, learn the power of memorizing God's words. When you come across in Bible reading particular verses or even phrases or longer sections that feed your soul or seem to focus you in Christ-honoring ways, put them to memory. Find your way. It's not rocket science. There's helps for this. You can figure it out. Try to build them into the folds of your brain so that they can feed and sustain you in days and years to come and be a word to sustain others. And then finally, third, go deeper still. Deeper than mere reading, deeper than just Bible memorizing. Make memory to serve meditation. Memorize that you might meditate and slow down to meditate while you memorize. And memorizing can happen as almost a side effect of careful, deliberate, unhurried meditation. So set a course now for nourishing your intimate acquaintance with Scripture with long years of personal meditation like Jesus and with the help that He purchased for you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. So Father in heaven, again we acknowledge first and foremost who Jesus is for us, apart from what we as sinners could ever do for ourselves in the giving of Himself at the cross, in the purchase of salvation, in the purchase of the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the Spirit. We want to be more like Him. We want to cherish Your Word, enjoy Your Word, live on Your Word like He did, defeat temptation with Your Word like He did, sustain friends and family with a word from You like He did. And so would you grant us grace to grow, not just in daily spurts or weekly spurts, but in a vision and endurance of long years of enjoying your word in personal meditation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.